Hi, welcome to Read Up, the podcast where we talk about books intellectually and stuff. I'm Tim, and with me is my recurrent guest, Scott, from the Suicide Squadcast. How are you today? Mmm, yeah, steam. Yes. You like steam. I like steam. Actually, that's, it's actually very humid here. It feels like there's a lot of steam for some reason. It's like it's October, but I like I'm melting for some reason. It's very strange. Oh, it's, that that's that's cute. That's cute. Today's the first day it hasn't been ninety since May. So okay. <laughs> well, I'm sorry that I live in New England and it should be a nice low sixties, but for whatever reason we're just like living in balmy seventies and like this balmy, not... balmy seventies. Oh no, trust me. It was seventy today and I was like, Oh, thank you, Lord. You can move. That's all I'm saying. My weather is unnatural. You can move. I couldn't live anywhere else. My body is just so I've grown accustomed to the sweat. Ew. It's great 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 riff on that song. Gross riff on that song. Yes. Oh, oh man, gosh. so might as well tell the people what I'm here for today. <laughs> Indeed, you are here as a follow-up because we talked about uh, Stephen King's The Shining a couple episodes ago. Maybe one last episode ago, who's to say? Uh, and uh, and we are here back to talk about Stephen King's Doctor Sleep. I'm going to read the back of the book so people know what the heck we're talking about. The Overlook was where his boyhood gift for The Shining opened a door to hell. Dan Torrance is a man now, but ghosts of the Overlook and his father's legacy of alcoholism and violence kept him drifting for decades. Now sustained by an AA community in a New Hampshire town, Dan confronts the dying at a nursing home where they call him Dr. Sleep. But before his remnant power can fade forever, Dan meets 12-year-old Abra Stone, whose spectacular gift pulls him into an epic war with an otherworldly tribe that reignites Dan's own demons and summons him to battle for the girl's soul and survival. His book came out in 2006, 2007, something like that. Uh, I was actually, uh, I thought it was, no, it was like 2013. 2013. Yeah, you're right. And that's weird. Oh, you know what? I was reading the Stephen King biography and he says 2007 Grandmaster Award for the Mystery Writers of America. I thought it was this book got that award. It won the Stoker Award, I believe. I th- I sounds about right, but you know, I just remember getting it for Christmas that year and not reading it until now. Oh, Excellent. that's that's the way it goes sometimes. Oh, I bought it at a I bought it. I bought it at a bargain store for two ninety nine a couple of years ago, and I was like, "Oh, well, the movie's coming out. Better read it." Um, so, uh, so spoilers from here on out. We'll just make it make it easier because we always we always spoil the book in our discussions. Um, what did you think? Just on your own? I enjoyed it. You know, I I did not go in with this. Oh my God! It must live up to the shining. Uh, I I very much went in with a idea of this is new king, and when I say new king, I always think of anything post his accident. You know, because there's yes. always been there's mm-hmm. always been a very much a different kind of voice or a very different style of like early king versus post accident king. And to be honest, I've I have found myself more times than not not enjoying a lot of post accident king works. So. I kind of anything from mid ninety nine onward because this accident was in June of ninety nine, I think. So um, that's a that's a pretty substantial that's a pretty substantial list. It, it is, and uh, and to be frank, a list that a majority of it I haven't read. You know, it I, yep. I've avoided the newer stuff because the newer stuff I had read, you know, it suffers from the 
the bad ending curse that we kind of joked about the last time I was on. Mm-hmm. And so I went in with this book going, this book's going to be read just because it's a sequel to The Shining. Like it once it came out, it was like, nope, I'm asking for it for Christmas. I'm going to read this eventually. And then the movie just you know lit a fire under my butt. And so I was I went into it going, oh, this is this is different, but I'm enjoying it. And granted, I spent most of the time listening to the audiobook, and Will Patton was a fantastic narrator for the audiobook. So I just found myself enjoying that it was a completely different kind of story, but just set in the world of The Shining. And if I went in with that kind of mentality, it was a page turner. I couldn't put it down. I whipped through it, I think, in like a wait. It took me one to two weeks to get through it because I just couldn't stop. No, well, that's good. I mean, that's that's pretty much how I approached it as well. Like, I, I know it's about Danny Torrance, who we now call Dan Torrance because he's an adult. But... I and I knew he would be grappling with some of his some of his demons because you can't like walk away from your your demon father trying to murder you in a in a scary hotel and then you know you're just fine after that and and so I wasn't but I really wasn't sure what to expect beyond that and beyond the trailer for the film which I had seen but I knew that the trailer the film Doctor Sleep is going to do its best to like be a sequel to the film and and to the book um so i'm i'm very curious to see how that kind of how that kind of works but i think the strength of dr sleep is not so much that it's a sequel to the shining um because it doesn't even the type of like horror book it is it's it's very different extremely different it it doesn't it doesn't sit in the same fear category. In fact, like you called it a page turner, which I, I think it is for the most part, but it's not a scary page turner. It's an, it's a, um, interesting or kind of mesmerizing page turner. The, 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 it's strength is in its characters because Absolutely. it's like, I, I want to know more. I, I, I'm intrigued by Dan as an adult. I am mesmerized by Rose, the hat, and Abra and her family and the way that they were revealed. Like, you don't get to meet Abra first. You meet her family first. And then you meet Abra. And I just thought it it was a very different way of going about introducing us to our main characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think one of King's strengths all the time is really when he takes his time. Um, I'm going through... I'm going through his books chronologically now because I've read some like it's been kind of scattered. And and so I've never really gone through one by one and reading The Shining and reading Doctor Sleep has caused me to go backwards. And I find that the books that I'm I'm most invested in is when he like builds up a town like he builds the story of uh, of a town or of people. So like there's like let's say there's not a lot of substance to Salem's lot, but you feel Salem's lot. Yes, like you, you live, do. Yes, like you, you live do. there. And I think the same is true for, I think the same is true for Dr. Sleep. Like I can feel that town. Like I live there. I know those people, even though it's not really close to the town that I live in or my experience growing up apart from it being New England. And I, you know, was, I only grew up a state away from New Hampshire, but it still doesn't, it's still not my own personal experience, but I know 
them and i i think i think even uh, his newest one the institute it it does that very i'm not completely through it but it it does that well where it like you 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 are able to live and breathe in the world and books like say like firestarter which i just finished yesterday are not interested in that and it 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 it, it is kind of a weak entry in that way so if you if you get over that this book is not the shining it's not one of his masterpieces but it's very good i think i think it's strong in some ways i think it's strong because it works kind of like a confessional in which that the shining is kind of king reaching out in like this like hey i'm having problems with drugs i'm having problems with alcohol and these dark thoughts and whatever else and so doctor sleep is the antithesis to that and it's the this is what i've learned from aa and this is this is the process and the recovery that I'm going through. And so, well, if he's Danny slash slash um, Jack in The Shining, he's kind of all Danny in this book. And I think that is also I, I, I feel like this may be, you know, offensive to say maybe because I but I feel like you can't write a book like this if you haven't actually been through AA. Like you, it, it feels so authentic. It feels so real. Like this is what it's like to be a recovering alcoholic because you're right. always a recovering alcoholic. You know, that, that's the thing about AA is that you're always an alcoholic. You're, you're just always recovering from it. You're, you never finish like that never is finished. It is a ongoing process. And I feel like this book nails it in a way that unless you've actually lived through that, I don't believe it could be as authentic as it is in this book. Mm-hmm. And I I have a couple modes of thought on that. One, I think that where you talk about like being an alcoholic is is never finished. You know, you're always in always in recovery and things like that. And that parallels really nicely with Dan being a recovering alcoholic in the book, but Stephen being a recovering alcoholic. But also, Dan applies the lessons of AA to his to his encounters with. Um, darkness in in general and so like he's always recovering from the incident at the overlook hotel and and things like that so it's like it's a broader scope of aa but also being quite intimate and then i think i think you're right in that i think you you can always tell when a writer puts a little bit of themselves or their into their story even if it's a fantastic story you know characters become very real situations become real whatever i so I think you're right in that if Stephen King had never or the, had never gone through AA, it wouldn't be as strong. But I also wonder if that is in a way in our heads because we know he did. That no, and 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 you're right. I I have to admit that, but I don't know. It just it just it looks the ugliness in the face. And that's another thing that I feel like when Stephen King is at his strongest, it's when he's willing to look the ugly in the face. You know, it, it's what I've always said is that if you read a really good Stephen King book, it's not about the monsters; the people are the monsters. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so, this is another one where Dan, when you start off with that scene with. You know him waking up from the from the cocaine infused hangover, and he mm-hmm. leaves that one young lady in her apartment with like the three year old 
and the cocaine, the candy. Ah, that and that just haunts him through the entire book. And and, and your idea of saying we're going to take that cute little five year old you remember from The Shining, and this is how we're going to reintroduce you to him. Mm-hmm. I think well, that is a strength and a ballsy move to go. No, this is how you're going to meet him when he's grown up like this. You know, it's funny what King doesn't even comment on. The book doesn't draw attention to is that The Shining is all about this kid who needs help and then the first time you see dan torrance as an adult is you see him looking at a kid who needs help and he doesn't help him he doesn't you know and so like you see how far he's like how low he's sunk in an attempt to escape the very thing he doesn't help this child from like an an abusive parent it's it's a really well layered book that way, and I think it it really works because the book doesn't really call attention to those things. It lets you f- see them for yourself if you want to. Right, and it doesn't and it doesn't apologize for Danny either. It 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 says no, he's done some bad bad mojo. There's some bad mojo with him. It, it the closest it comes to apologizing for him is at the end when the other AA members don't judge him when he finally comes around to admitting it mm-hmm. and, yeah, and, i agree and, 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 and as close as it comes to apologizing and it's not even apologizing it's just non-judgmental it's like they're all sitting around going yep you know i think they said they've either heard worse or done worse is how he puts it and i think that's for the environment that it's happening i think that's a very powerful statement on its own when you get to the end of the book you know that that I think is very true, and it kind of wraps into it. Kind of wraps into the the subversion, the subversion that's present in the whole book because it because this is a horror story technically, right? And The Shining is a horror story, and the acceptance of death in Doctor Sleep is very different, um, or just acceptance in general is very different than you would see in a horror film. I mean, in a horror story because in Doctor Sleep it's this noble, humbling act. Um, while life is the torturous, violent, and disturbing piece, but in a in a general horror story, it's like, no, I want to live, you know. It's like, and um, death comes at you very violently. But here, it is it is death that comes naturally, and life that is harsh and violent. And I think that through accepting the inevitability of death, does that's where like the goodness comes through. And I think that for Dan, the accepting the inevitability of truth is where that is where his goodness flows from and that includes that opening up portion well i think you hit the nail on the head there because who are the villains of these books but the true not whose entire existence is about escaping death and unnaturally prolonging their life so in a way when you talked about the peacefulness of death it's the part that who are the good people, who are the people who are at peace. It's the people who reach the end of their life and gracefully shuffle off this mortal coil. And it's those who are hungrily clinging on to anything that will extend their life just one more minute who are the true villains of the book. Mm-hmm. I, I, like the, I like the way that you put that. There's... I started calling them steam pyres in my head, like, and I'm not even sure if that's, I can't even remember if that's in the book or not, because they kind of talk about them being vampires, but there's a, 
there's a great juxtaposition between the eternal steam pyres, the true not, and then and not only the deceased that Dan as you know as a hospice care like helps people move into peace sleepfully with the help of Azrael the cat. Great, great little name. I I, I I I I picked up on the reference. I was like, very very well done. Very good, Angel of Death. Very good, very good. And um, but there's a great there's a great juxtaposition between the eternal steam pyres, the true knot, and the ghosty people. Right, mm-hmm. you know. So it's not even just those passing uh, the elderly passing into death quietly and gracefully, but also, but also the people that Dan already sees, you know, like those he's connected to with the shining. Um, I think that I, I think that I actually just lost my train of thought is what I think. Scott, but, I think it, yeah, but I even think that when you talk about the ghosty people, cause you know, one of the classic tropes and most kind of paranormal ghost stories is that the reason that you're a ghost is because you haven't let go of all of your concerns and all of your, sorrows and woes from your life and so you haven't truly passed on because you won't let life go and so you get kind of stuck in that midway point like mm-hmm. you get dra- you get dragged into this midway and i feel like that's that kind of becomes the the theme is let uh, let it go you have to let it go to be able to move forward peacefully Mm -hmm. and that's part of where i think the confessional comes back in you know so maybe it's been a long time since stephen king has been in his accident and gone through treatment and uh, kind of turned himself around to be you know the clean the clean and sober man he is today and so part of this book in a way is that letting go portion and not only just letting go uh you know, for the characters, it's letting go. It's letting go of the characters by the author. It's letting go of his guilt and shame of the of his his past sins, and then realize and having that realization come through that everyone is still like, still got your back, still gonna buy your books or whatever. You know, I think that I think that this movie, uh, this uh, this book is deceptively very personal in a way that the shining is, but it's um, to kind of, to kind of knock it for a second. I don't think that it is as um, tense as, as some of his other, as some of his other stories. And they're as, as intrigued as I was from some people. I feel like if I didn't have a connection to Dan Torrance already, I don't know how, I don't know how much I would be on his side for a good chunk of the novel. Oh no, absolutely. I, this this novel this novel plays on your nostalgia may be the wrong word, but it, it you need the prior knowledge of who Dan is and the shining to give two flips in in this book. I agree. And you even referred to it as, you know, you know, the classic genre, of, you know, it's a horror story. I wouldn't even qualify this as a horror story. This feels more, this feels like a step down from horror. And this is more like a thriller to me. Mm. Because yeah, I think that's right. It's not it, scary. It's not scary. It, it's not scary at all. It's, it, it, it feels more aligned with like a psychological, like serial killer thriller and not a horror story. 
And I feel like that is where some of that tension is not there because it's not about building up the suspense and building up the tension to try to scare you. It's it. That's why I kind of use the term page turner because it's more just like a, it's, it, it's more like a serial killer novel or something where you're just like, ooh, you know where it's leading to, so it's just kind of like, okay, let's see how it gets there, you know, mm-hmm. building to that inevitable confrontation. So I feel like that is, if you're trying to go into this thinking it's going to be a scary Stephen King book, you're you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you think that Stephen King, in a way, even though the end, the ending of The Shining is like perfect and how it all ties and wraps together, do you think that he regretted a little bit that the hotel was destroyed when he set out to write this book? Because them they go back to they go back to the Overlook, but it's the lodge and it's not really anything now. And you know what I mean. Like, do you do you do you think that the ending would do you think the ending works better if the hotel is still there or does it work fine without it? I well, I think the movie is going to answer that question for me, because obviously they do go back to the actual hotel in the movie adaptation that's Mm -hmm. coming out in a month. And I'll be able to judge it that way because I'll have actual evidence. I had no problem with it just being a campground because it it led back to the idea that. It's the pl- like the very earth, the ground, the very place is evil. You don't even need like the hotel can be destroyed, but the place itself is just bad to the core. Mm-hmm. And I was okay with that. I I I was too, especially since we got ghosty people from from before. You know, like, especially, actually, even Jack showing up at the end, which is what I was kind of expecting the whole time. It was really I actually nice. wasn't expecting it. And so when I remember it was one of those that I figured it out, like, five minutes before they told me. Because, like, when, when Dan was fighting Rose, the hat, and it talked about something pushing. Like, it, it, and it was obviously implying that it was someone or something else. And I went, oh, it's Jack. That that that's who that is, and then it told me later on, and I got a little misty eyed. I'll admit. Mm-hmm. I, it's funny, actually. So they talked about like the the boxes in the head and everything like that, and when he unleashes that final box, I was really expecting it to be the manager caretaker. Ah, and it, okay. And it wasn't, and I was a a little disappointed at that. Like it was plague instead like whatever it was it was the sickness which from the story it makes sense like it made more sense in fact you know but it would have been cool to have like the monster unleashed again was like, it, but, but wasn't it wasn't it abra's nana that he unleashed because she basically gave her soul over to him yeah right but she but he like was able to make them sick because of that or right you know so because he had cancer, that was she. Like she thing at she the had end. cancer, yes, and so right. She and he took it. that, and he took that on, and he was dying up until that, up until that moment. Um, but I, I, I guess it just would have been cooler if that makes sense. It just would have been cooler to have that be one of the boxes that Dan stored in his head, because it would almost give him even more reason to go down the dark path that he had set out on at a younger age. Okay. 
I, I see that. They just they would he would just have set it up because he never because the manager caretaker was had he would have to set up back at the beginning like when the other ghosty people were coming back to haunt him. They I agree. Would, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it wasn't or it, even set up in a, like a, a like a foreshadowy, not a lot of detail way. Just like oh, there's some other ones in there, but you know that would be, yeah. If they were going to do it, I would want that. I wouldn't want it like like telegraphed. Right. Yeah, me either. And I mean, Stephen King is he's real good at telegraphing when he wants you to know. And because that's it's all part of the impending sense of doom. Like the but boiler re- we talked about with the shining, like you ex- knew something was exactly. up with that boiler. Exactly. But but sometimes you don't have to know. Uh, did you find the true not um, worthy villains? I. I was looking for what Stephen King was trying to say with them because he he characterized them in such a particular way. I was trying to figure out what was his point because mm-hmm. Stephen King usually has a point. He's usually trying to make some sort of statement. That's right. And I got the sense that the – the the true not kind of represented honestly kind of a middle America and, and like trying to make them scary. Like the people who would, you know, drive the RVs and go on the road trips and look just gosh darn golly gee and that there's something, you know, secretly sinister about them. You know, I, I don't know that kind of that kind of like stuck with me. Even though the whole point was they, they they've come around they've been around forever, like they come back from like old Europe and stuff. And but I was, I found Rose the Hat a great villain, if if not the entire organization particularly enthralling. But I loved Rose the Hat. Yeah, I that's kind of where I landed with them too. Like, what am I supposed to be reading into about them? And then. Um, what am I supposed to be reading into about them? And then how, yeah, how, uh, how, why are they portrayed the way that they, they are? I did like, if you read his author's note, he says, you know, let me close on a word of caution. When you're on the turnpikes and freeways of America, watch out for those Winnebago's and bounders. You never know who might be inside or what. And I think that line in of itself is kind of scary because Part of the fun of them being kind of like a traveling gypsy group for for lack of even though they could afford to be much better is that nobody notices. Nobody cares. It's just you glance right over them and it's a perfect like it's a perfect hiding spot. It almost has a sense of because I I just thought about this. But, you know, since even 9-11 happens in the novel and Mm -hmm. I totally didn't see it coming like I was oblivious and it, it. caught me by surprise when it actually happens in the book. It's almost like looking at the true, not like a sleeper cell. And Oh, it, yes. Mm-hmm. 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 Continue with that thought. It, the idea that what, what can be more terrifying and more, I don't even, I don't even know the word I'm trying to say, but then the group that looks like they just, belong and you pay no attention to and yet they are truly the the most sinister thing out there and their whole point is just blend in and fade into the background 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I think that's that in a lot of ways makes them a, even a little bit scarier. Um, I found Rose's kind of righteousness creepy in its own way. Like, you know, I think like perspective, we talked about perspective and how are they being written and perceived, but I think that their longevity gives them a different perspective. And so like, you can understand like to them why killing children means nothing, you know, in the grand, in the grand scheme, because they see a lot of people die and it, to them it doesn't it doesn't really matter and that passiveness in the passiveness in driving as well as in murder goes along goes a long way into being formidable well it's also that idea you know the fact that they call anyone who's not them anyone who's not a member of the true not um a rube so it it sets up this us versus them mentality it's like mm-hmm. they're rubes. They they just go about their petty little, short little lives, so ignorant, so short, so childlike, and then they're gone. And and and, and there's such a condescension about the rest of us because we're not them. Mm-hmm. And which is funny because so much of so much of uh, America that doesn't travel in RVs and, you know, live that way. There's a condom, a, um, a condemnation of, of, um, of that lifestyle. So like they look at everybody as rubes, but then in the real world, there's a kind of like a judgment upon the traveling, the traveling folk heroes of America. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cause usually, because usually it's those very people who we who we would call the rubes, and mm-hmm. it flips the te- and it flips the terminology on us. Yeah, so it it just it really does work. The whole thing really works. But uh, we are actually out of time, so I'm just going to say uh, I would like one thing that you that you just like really enjoyed. A kind of above all else and I'll start because it's the only so I don't lose it um, I loved that everyone calls Dan Dr. Sleep and that his parents called him Doc and they are just weirdly unconnected but life works out funny that way and I really I I enjoyed that connection I enjoyed I enjoyed how real he made Abra seem. We talked about in the Shining review about how whether Danny felt like a real five-year-old or not, and mm-hmm. and I felt like Abra was presented pretty honestly in a way that. But we saw so many different stages of her life that it did feel like she, it felt like we were watching her grow up. And I and and you, there's always that danger with the kid character which is something that I'm going to be watching for in the movie adaptation is, okay, kid, how, how are you going to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was nice to see her see her portrayed kind of honestly, where she wasn't always a goody-two-shoes, and her temper, and where it was revealed that maybe has its roots in. And I really enjoyed that. I thought that twist, which we're not going to ruin here, uh, came a little out of left field, but I liked it. I didn't love it, but I liked it. And I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I. Yes, yes. It's like it's a it's a it's a small world, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So 
but you know what? That's okay. We won't. We can't ruin everything on the podcast. So, uh, Scott, where can the uh, people find you? Well, they can find me on Twitter at ScottDC27. Of course, you can find the Suicide Squadcast, my show that I co-host every week, uh, at Suicide Squadcast on Twitter. Or uh, you can find the entire network at SuicideSquadcast.com. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Scott, thank you so much for coming back yet again. I love that this is just the me podcast, occasionally joined by Scott. It's very <laughs> enjoyable. So uh, you are welcome Anytime, as you know, when we happen to connect on Goodreads and and see and uh, see if we decide to read what each other's reading. Oh, absolutely! Thank you for having me on again. It's it's been an absolute pleasure. You have been listening to Read Up, the podcast where we talk about books intellectually and stuff. You can find Read Up on Twitter at Read Up Podcast and the host at Timothy PG thirteen. Rate and review Read Up on iTunes and listen on any place podcasts can be found. Head over to patreon.com slash thoughtbubbleaudio to support all of your favorite Thought Bubble Audio podcasts. You can find all of the Thought Bubble Audio programs at thoughtbubbleaudio.com. Until next time, have a good read.